We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley, and I am joined as always by my co host, Ross Uglum. Ross, we took a little bit of a hiatus, or I guess we're just back to our normal schedule. It feels like forever since we've been on here because we were going so hard for a while. Um, but how are you, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Um... You know, obviously, taking a little bit of a step back uh, after the draft, the birth of my daughter, um, kind of letting things marinate a little bit. I think the draft caught a lot of us off guard a little bit. Um, certainly was not one that was loved by draft media, uh, maybe even not one that was necessarily loved by Packers fans, but uh, tinkering with the 53-man roster and kind of looking at some of the choices that they've made schematically it's starting to make a little bit more sense and uh honestly when you do put together the 53 it it, it looks all right it looks pretty good yeah like let's not forget this team won 13 games last year and if they didn't have to play in california ross they would have only lost one game in the entire season (laughs) so um this is a good football team and i think the the thing that people talk about a lot is can this team take a step, you know, and it, this team and make no mistake that this team can go 11 and five next year and take, still take a step forward. Um, you know what I mean? Like they can still be a better team, 
because a lot of people like to talk about how this 13 and three team last year was a little bit of a fluke, you know, even though they won a playoff game, even though they made it to the NFC championship game, you know, and especially like analytics, Twitter will look at the, the great spreadsheet in the sky and tell you that this team it actually isn't that good. Um, so we're going to look at that today. And I think, you know, in the off season, it's always fun to look at players, um, kind of the sum of the team's parts, I guess, and look at that in a way that you could say, okay, is this team going to get better or is it going to get worse next year? So we're going to play a little game. It's going to be, this game is called progression regression. And so what I'm going to do, Ross, is I'm going to throw names out for you. And I want you to lay out whether or not you think that particular player is going to help this team progress or be a reason this team regresses. And you can't go you can't go through both scenarios. You can't say, "Well, if they do this, they'll get better. If they do this, they'll get worse." I want you to kind of guess. Like project a little bit. Is this do you think this player is going to take a jump? Do you think they're going to get worse? I don't know. Um, and then I'll kind of just I'll, I'll just disagree with you on everything you try to say. So I might not agree. I might not actually agree with what I'm saying myself, um, but I'll try to I'll try to look at it from different angles as well. Um, but so we'll play this game. So first up for progression, regression, last year's first round pick, 12th overall, Rashawn Gary. Uh, progression. I mean, I mean, you, you look at a guy like Gary and everything just screams progression. I don't mean that, you know, I think he's going to be great. I didn't like the pick at the time. Uh, I think every concern that I had about the pick bore out, but you still see like he posted a workout video today and they're right. Uh, the, the D line coach that he's working with is right. I mean, human beings that's that size shouldn't move that way. Um, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen in this sport. And I'm, I'm that's not hyperbolic. Like he's a, 99th percentile height, weight, speed, agility, strength, explosive athlete. And whatever he's going to be in the National Football League, he's not going to be until year three or year four. And this is going to be part of that progression. He will not be the best version of Rashawn Gary, even in 2020. And I think uh, he'd probably admit that to you. So... Uh, but, but what you will see is a step forward in the sense that, um, you know, he'll get another year with Mike Smith, another year learning from the other two Smiths and another, you know, chance to, to move forward. But I think the Packers showed plenty of faith in him and letting Fackrell sign elsewhere. And he's edge three now, man. There's no getting around that. And so, so you're banking on him getting better and, and that's great. So progression for Rashawn Gary himself, but how does he help this team take a step forward next year? I uh, I mean, just by outperforming Kyler Fackrell flat out, you know, um, which I know is not a, a super high bar to clear probably, <laughs> probably. And unfortunately, you know, I, I think, um, the snaps that Fackrell gave them were were just not uh, great. Um, you know, twenty six pressures in 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 four hundred and sixty seven snaps. I I don't think it's it's that hard to you know get do better than that. Gary had sixteen pressures in almost half the snaps. I mean, 
he was already on a per play basis more effective than Fackrell. And you add in the progression of year one to year two and frankly just multiply the snaps. I mean, uh, he was already a better edge three than they had. Yeah, and I think you look at it that way. So being devil playing devil's advocate, I think the argument against that would just be flat out Rashawn Gary can't play, which I don't think is the case. And I think like you mentioned it, Kyler Fackrell's, you know, 26 pressures, it's a very low bar to clear. And I think Gary does that. And that's really all he does need to do for them to really, I think, stay the same. You know, if you look at this, if you want to see this defense really make a, a jump, um, I think Rashawn Gary holds the keys to that. You know, if he could develop faster than I think a lot of us think we think he can um, and could become a legit scary presence on on that defense. Um, I think you got three guys that you really have to account for in him and the Smith brothers. And if you want to see how this defense could really progress, I think he holds the keys to that, like I said. So second guy in this game, we'll switch to the offensive side. Progression, regression, Rick Wagner. You're, you're going to see a regression there from the offense. I mean, um, I've talked about this offseason that I think there's a chance the offensive line can actually get better, even though they lost Bulaga, which I know some people might think is kind of a spicy take. And, and that's fine, but I just don't think David Bakhtari was ever healthy last year. Um, he did not look like all pro Superman David Bakhtari. I, I think there's a chance for him to get right. I think there's a definite progression like Bakhtari that you could see from Elton Jenkins where he adds functional strength and is really able to start dominating people in the run game in a way that he wasn't capable of. I mean, he's a great pass blocker, but he didn't move anyone in the run game. Uh, and then, you know, with Billy Turner, you're, you're talking about the second year on the team and, frankly, everybody's second year in LaFleur's system if all those things, or at least a couple of them, break the right way, even downgrading from Bulaga to Wagner, you could have a better unit. With that said, you know, even at Ricky Wagner's peak, he was not where Brian is. Now, uh, I understand Rick Wagner was hurt last year a little bit, but over the course of his career, can it be argued that Wagner is more durable than Bulaga? Yeah, I think it certainly can be. But as far as, you know, uh, the perfect scenario, the Madden scenario where all five of your guys are out there and are healthy and at 100%, make no mistake, that version of the Packers offensive line with Brian Bulaga is better than than the one they have now. Yeah, and I think you look at that and you kind of hit both sides on that, so I don't really need to be devil's advocate here. I think, you know, you talk about, Football being, you know, some of your parts and nothing that's not more true than anywhere than on the offensive line. And, you know, Rick Wagner is not a bad football player. Like, I think that's kind of been painted, the picture painted for him. He, he wasn't great last year, but I think they're banking on him getting back to form. Um, and, I, and I hope he can. And I think if he does, like, you're right, this offensive line as a whole could get better because there's areas that they can get better in. I think Elton Jenkins is a guy that you want to play this game with him, you talk about big time progression from him. You know, he can make, he for as good as he was his rookie year, um, you know, I said this months ago, you know, when I talked, I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, I said, you know, Elton Jenkins is a guy that can take huge strides in his second year. And a lot of people are like, well, he was great as rookie. Year. It's like, yeah, he was. But like you said, like the dude did not, was not great in the run game. 
Um, and, th- and that's going to be something that obviously the Packers are wanting to do big time. Um, so a third guy, this one, this guy might sound uh, weird at first, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. So progression, regression, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, progression. I, I, I think, you know, I've talked about this on a number of occasions, but year two in the system is a, is a big deal. Um, and frankly, I just think, you know, people are, don't quite – because I, I had this discussion with the fantasy football guy, and I, I, I know this is not a fantasy football podcast uh, at all, but it's like Rodgers' value, you know, is going down, stock arrow going down. He'll have a worse season than he did last year. I said, please explain that to me. It was all I didn't – they didn't do anything. I said, well, that's fine. They didn't do anything, but the – two of the worst regulars in the league repping major snaps. I mean, Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham were dragging that that offense down. Um, and, and even if Sternberger and Funches are league average players or even slightly worse, they're going to be a massive upgrade. Plus, you know, year two in LaFleur's system, starting to understand a little bit more of each other, starting a little understand about, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Um, I just, I don't see the physical deterioration from him. I see, you know, some frustration. I see, uh, a lot of the things that he used to do and he was great as far as holding the ball too long, trying to take chances, not taking what's there. Uh, that's been an Aaron Rodgers issue for a long time. I don't see uh, lack of being able to move. I don't see throws that don't have the zip on them that they used to, uh, all, all those things. And so I don't think there's any reason to believe that Rodgers is, is, is physically deteriorating. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, give the regression angle. I, I think the pieces are better on offense. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, year two means something. And I will, I will play devil's advocate on this one. And let me first say, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I do expect big things out of Aaron Rodgers in year two. You look at year two of Matt LaFleur's system, and uh, it's the returns have been good. But uh, I don't think he's deteriorated as far as arm talent. I think he, every, he can make every throw uh, that anyone on the planet can make. I think where his deterioration um, has kind of started to, to creep up, I think, is in his legs. And I think if you watch him try to escape the pocket, he doesn't quite have the burst he used to, to, to avoid, you know, edge rushers and guys kind of closing down on him. And so I think if, if there is any way that this offense regresses with 12 under center, it's if he kind of doesn't, you know, if he doesn't really kind of play to his strengths that, um, that are his right now. And I think, uh, uh Ben, our buddy, Ben Fennell had talks about this too. Uh, I mean, he mentioned, I think he was with Andy on this podcast, like, I don't ever want to see Aaron Rodgers leave the pocket again. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, um, but I get where he's coming from. Like, let him – like, I want to see Aaron Rodgers work a little bit better within the pocket consistently because uh, he can do it. I mean, clearly he can do it. He's done it his whole career. Um, but as far as the the extending of the plays and stuff like that, I think he starts to get himself in trouble a little bit. So if there were any way this offense were to regress, um, which, again, devil's advocate, I think that's where – you might see that. Um, okay. 
Next guy, you, you mentioned him a little bit here, one of my personal favorites. Regression for this offense or progression for this offense involving Jace Sternberger? Pro- progression because he's not Jimmy Graham. And, and I know that that sounds mean, but you know we're talking about a guy, and, and again, and it seems like we always give this qualifier, but I, I don't care what you think of, of pro football focus. I, it, it what it is is better than what we have, which is nothing. And uh, Pro Football Focus gave, uh, if we're talking a minimum of, well, let's just call it forty targets. Uh, Jimmy Graham ranked 39th at tight end in total uh, offensive grade. Um, no, that was receiving grade. 36th total offensive grade of the 44 qualifying tight ends. And if you're doing your California math correctly, you understand that there are 32 teams in the NFL. So um, not only was he worse than every starter, he was worse than, you know, uh, basically five or six teams backups if you're ranking it that way. And just top to bottom, man, uh, awful. Uh, Just didn't block, didn't get open, didn't make anybody miss after he didn't get open, had probably more drops than he uh, should have as far as, you know, you talk about based on his target numbers and we talk about just replacement level players. And anytime you have somebody out there playing, I don't even want to look at this number because it's going to make me cry. Yeah. Anytime you have a guy like that playing 450 snaps for your football team, it's, it's really problematic. And, you know, uh, when, when he's playing that poorly, he really is dragging down the offense. I mean, you talk about a, a guy like even a, someone we don't think of as, as very successful in the league or very impactful between the 20s, but a, a Kyle Rudolph or a Jack Doyle or, you know, Gerald Everett, Will Disley, Cam Brait, who's like now the third best tight end on the, on the Bucks. If Jay Sternberger can be some some something in the middle of those guys, it's such a massive upgrade over Jimmy Graham that you would only assume that the offense would take a significant step forward. I mean, if if Jace Sternberger can give the Packers what Mike Gesicki gave the Dolphins last year or Jacob Hollister gave the Seahawks last year, it's a colossal step forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think, honestly, I I think, personally, this is might be a spicy take, but I think, I think Sternberger is going to be the number two option in this offense when it's all said and done. I, I mean, I've been high on him throughout the whole process, um, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is, I guess. But, you know, I just – I really expect big things out of him. And if you look at this Packers offense and their lack of, you know, adding playmakers at the cat pass catching position. I, I, I think it's because they have guys that they do like there um, and they could be wrong. They could be very wrong and that would not be good, but um, I don't think they are. And I, I, I'm big on Jay Sternberger. I think if you want to see this offense, not only progress, but get much, much better. Um, I think Jace, I think Jace is the guy you look at and say, you know, does, you know, how, how, how much gas is he going to give this thing? You know, and I think it's it's up to him because you know what you got in Devontae. 
you got a, a bag of receivers that you hope one of them can step up. And Jace is kind of in, in that conversation as well. So um, I think the progression is, is the obvious take. I think the only way this is a regression is if someone is worse than, you know, Jimmy Graham was last year, which uh, the sample sizes are small, but I think, I mean, I think that's going to, I don't want to be mean, but I, I, you know, I, I like Jimmy Graham, but, he was rough. So um, let's go back to the defensive side. I'm going to go for another uh, another young player. Um, and this might be one that a lot of Packers fans don't think about when they when they look at this Packers defense. But this is a guy that I think when you talk about holding the keys to success or failure, you know, progression or regression. Um, Chandon Sullivan is a guy that I think might play some major, major uh, reps for the Packers this year. So as far as the Packers defense goes, um, how can the Packers progress or regress with Chandon Sullivan as their nickel corner? Uh, I think that one will be a regression um, just because, you know, I, I don't know if people understand just how good Tremont Williams has been, um, you know, where he really ranks in, the level of slot defenders, slot cornerbacks in this league. And I want to just, you know, start by saying I'm, I'm extremely excited about Chandon Sullivan. I think uh, what he did, especially, man, you talk about low expectations. When I talked to our friend Ben Solak from the uh, Draft Network, who's a huge Eagles guy, uh, he basically set expectations at zero, you know, uh, maybe could play as a cover two corner, which is about as much disrespect as you could kind of accidentally throw uh, at a cornerback is that, yeah, he might work out in a cover two. It basically means you think he can tackle, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a very uh, positive notion or positive thing to say about somebody, but even hoping the best of the best for Chandon, I think it would be difficult for him to replicate what what Tremont does for the team. And and I you know, I, I don't mean that to be mean. I, I kind of mean it to be realistic. And so um that's why I think it's a little bit of a regression, is just because Chandon, while he is an ascending player and somebody that I think they have every right in the world to be high on. I don't think that the 2020 version of Chandon Sullivan is going to be what the 2019 version of Tremont Williams was. No, not at all. And I think the way you, the only way I guess you could say this defense could take jumps through Chandon Sullivan is if he has a similar jump that Trump, the guy he replacing did, did, you know, in his young career. Um, if he makes that type of jump, which is rare, you know, that's, that's almost unheard of. Um, so I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I, I really like Chandon. I'm really excited to see what he can do, uh, in this defense and, and for this team, but Tremont Williams, I I'm kind of surprised that he is still available. Um, I almost kind of wonder if he's kind of at that point in his career where he's saying, Hey, if the Packers don't call me, um, I'm done, you know, and if they do call me, I'll play. And I kind of I kind of wonder why they don't, but I also understand you know there's a point in time where you kind of want to go with the young guys. 
Um, so one more guy, and we'll look at and, and this will be the last one, but I'll look at it from just the defensive perspective because when you look at this defense, and we've talked about okay, if this defense is going to progress, Rashawn Gary needs to hit. He needs to get better. That I think that's the biggest one. Um, if this defense is going to progress through Chandon Sullivan, he needs to take a huge, huge jump. Um, and the last one for this defense to progress, I'm not going to even give you a player because I honestly don't know. Well, yeah, we kind of do. Uh, we'll do this guy, uh, Christian Kirksey. Progression or regression at that inside linebacker spot for this defense. Or wash, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of buried the lead there. I, I do think it's a bit of a wash. Um, you know, the best football, I'll put it to you this way, the best football that Christian Kirksey or Blake Martinez have ever played was played by Christian Kirksey. And I don't know if I'm kind of saying that in a roundabout way, but the bottom line is that, like, the best version of, of those two guys is still Kirksey, but we haven't seen that version of him or frankly even seen him very healthy in a long time. And so that I believe is sort of, you know, where the, the rub lies, but um, you know, I, I, I wonder even, especially after going back and kind of watching part of last year, it's tough with Blake. You know, you, you try and figure out what he's being asked to do. You try and figure out how much more he's doing than what another guy in that position would be doing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all just tough, man. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of smart people, in fact, really do believe that Blake Martinez is a replacement level player. And, you know, Ty Summers or Curtis Bolton might have looked the same in that role. And who knows? You know, Christian Kirksey or Kamal Martin might be a minor upgrade. Uh, it's just so t hard, to t uh, hard to tell. And, you know, I, I, linebacker just isn't really even my area of expertise where I'd feel super comfortable about anything. I tell you a lot about edge rushers and receivers and quarterback play and even offensive tackle play, but it's just so hard sometimes to understand what a linebacker's responsibility is. He kind of touched on that when he signed with the Giants, really sort of complained about his role and explained, you know, that he didn't always feel like things were his fault. And that could be sort of construed as excuses making, but um, I just don't see there being a huge drop off or a huge jump forward for the defense based on, how, I don't care, Ty Summers, Kamal Martin, Christian Kirksey, whoever the heck is playing that spot, I don't think you're going to notice a huge difference, positive or negative. Yeah, honestly, I have nothing to add to that because I think you touched on it perfectly, and I agree. I Christian Kirksey's best is better than Blake Martinez's best, but that's, that's a big but. You know, he has not been at that best in a while. Um, before we get out of here, I want to give you the floor to kind of just talk about, you know, we've talked about progression and regression. How can this team get better? Um, guys that we haven't talked about and let, let's keep it optimistic here. Uh, put on your green and gold glasses and give me one guy from offense, uh, the offense and one guy from the defense that in your eyes kind of is that linchpin that if this person gets better in, in a dramatic way, we will see both those particular units 
uh, you know, fly to new heights this season. Uh, yeah. So the guy for the offense, I actually, I mean, I don't know about linchpin, but the guy for the offense, I want to have everyone pay attention to is I, I really think there is something there in Devin Funches. And I know people are going to be, Oh man, really? I just, you know, I, I dove so deeply into his film. I, I ended up watching 10 different games the whole way through uh, on the coach's tape. It took a lot of time. And, uh, you know, right away, like I said, I went through his three top graded games and his two worst graded games to kind of see the highs and lows. But I just had to keep watching, man. And um, I, I love Cam Newton. I think that Cam Newton does some really special stuff. Uh, specifically, you know, MVP Cam Newton before he got hurt. He just has never been a super accurate thrower of the football. And I don't think he was really ever designed to have his receivers have these great numbers. Uh, people complain about Devin's specifically like his catch rate or his catch percentage. You know, he's, they say he's an inefficient receiver because he catches a low percentage of his targets. Well, you got to watch where some of these targets are coming in. It's It's pretty wild. And even, and I've mentioned this, if you go back and look at, at his, his, you know, one of his better seasons in in uh, Carolina, the guy was an 850-8 and eight type receiver, which would have been number two on the Packers for, I think, the last three years running. It wasn't since 16 when Jordy had just a freak show year and Cobb had a really decent second banana year, uh, I think. Since Devin Funches's year, would not have been the second best, you know, he wouldn't have been wide receiver two, if you will. And as I've mentioned, just even getting that up to um, replacement level or a little bit above replacement level from what Allison was giving them would be a huge boost. Uh, and, and honorable mention goes to Equinamia St. Brown, top 100 player for me coming out. Theoretically, that player going into his third year, I would expect, you know, starter quality stuff from him maybe even above average starter quality stuff. Uh, and if they get that out of him, I think people are just going to be, you know, over the moon. If your base sets are Sternberger and then you've got EQ in the big slot, Funches and Adams outside with Valdez Scantling as a occasional deep threat, all of a sudden that's a very different looking offense. And the defense is, I think, one that will maybe throw people for a loop a little bit as well. Darnell Savage needs to take a jump. And he has all the athletic ability in the world, seems to have all the football instincts in the world. If I can get the Darnell Savage I, th I saw for the first four games of his career over a 16-game season, that's a Pro Bowl guy. That's a, you know two, three times in his career an all-pro guy. And when you draft a safety in the top 25 or 26, that's what you're hoping to get. And so that would you know allow – the corners to take a few more chances. I think it'd take a little pressure off of Kevin King, take a little pressure off of Josh Jackson, certainly take pressure off of uh, Adrian Amos. I think if Darnell Savage gets even to 85 or 90% of what Nick Collins was, that is the linchpin of the defense. Yeah. I, I'm glad you touched on Darnell Savage because he was a guy that I almost included with all of this. Um, and I think you're right with with the offense and you look at that receiver position, so much gnashing of teeth over who they have in that room. They have a bunch of talented guys in that room. They need guys to step up and be consistent, though. That's that's really it. I think they like what they have in Lazard. 
Uh, I think he's going to continue to get better. Funches, you know, if one of those two guys gets better. And someone that you didn't mention that I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention, and, and I guess I understand because maybe I wouldn't put him in this category, but a, a sleeper for this, if you will, um, is our boy Darius Shepard. And I'm not saying I think he's going to be wide receiver too, but the fact that the Packers held on to this guy last year after he had that horrific, you know, nightmare game, uh, that says a lot to me about what they think about this kid and, and the, the ability that he has. You know, I know you're probably higher on him than just about anyone, uh, Ross, and, and I think he's got a ton of talent as well. And when you talk about horizontal passing game, you know, you talk about those gadget type receivers that can do a lot with the ball in their hands. I think he's that type of guy. And so we'll, we'll see. Um, but you heard it here first. Ross Uglum said, I, if I heard correctly, if Devin Funches and Darnell Savage are good, the Packers will win the Super Bowl next year. Um, so you can take that to the bank. Uh, and uh, and I hope he's right. Uh, I don't think that's exactly what he said. But uh, but anyways, uh, that's that's all we got for today. You know, thanks for listening, guys. I know we're kind of like in the dead of deadest periods right now in NFL football history. Um, hopefully we have some news some actual football news coming in soon. Um, I know they're working hard to try to figure out everything that's going to be going on. Um, but until then, we'll be here every day uh, talking about what there is to talk about and hopefully giving you guys a distraction um, and just giving you some enjoyment talking talking ball about the Packers. Um, so, again, thank you for listening. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.